Folks, welcome to the Finance Hour. If you're listening live on Jair or on the podcast, this is the show where we help make sense of the world of business and finance and hopefully help you make better decisions. My name's Ruben Zelwa. I'm a financial planner, director at Adapt Wealth Management, and jockey as well. I've been doing this podcast for, or this show for quite some time. So please feel free to head over to the Finance Hour on iTunes, subscribe. Maybe even leave a review if you feel like it and check out any of the episodes. Okay, well, the topic of today's show is bank shares or property. Uh, there's been a lot going on in the world of investment markets. Obviously, we're hearing a lot about property falling and about bank shares, the Royal Commission and the like. So I'm going to be speaking to Roger Montgomery, who we've had on before, who has been talking about uh, bank shares and residential property for a long time. And I want to get his view on where he thinks things are heading, particularly after everything that we've gone through in the Royal Commission. Okay, well, I'm going to get him on the phone very shortly, but first of all, it is time for Ruben's Rant. Ruben's Rant. Now, my rant this week is, of course, about uh, the mortgage brokers and about what's happened uh, with the Royal Commission. So Josh Frydenberg just came out yesterday or, and said that they're going to be supporting mortgage brokers and basically going to be allowing upfront and ongoing commissions to continue. So this was a key recommendation of the Royal Commission that no commissions should be payable to mortgage brokers anymore. Uh, of course, all the politicians said, yes, we're going to accept everything before they heard it, and now they are backtracking. Now, I don't necessarily have a problem that they're backtracking. Uh, I think it was very silly in the first place that they said they were going to accept everything before they'd even read it. So in some ways, this is inevitable. I have to say, though, I have a little bit of a gripe as a financial planner. I mean, Josh Frydenberg's come out and said, oh, we stand behind mortgage brokers. You know, there are 18,000 of them. They employ a whole lot of staff, and they're really important to the economy. And I just wish that they would say the same thing about my industry as well. We're also around 18,000 people. We're small business owners. Uh, we help people a lot and we employ people. Uh, and I've never heard the government actually come out and say they actually support us as well. So, government, Josh, how about sharing the love a little bit? All right, folks, we are talking about bank shares and property. Uh, to discuss this is a man who's been talking about this for as long as I've heard from him, Roger Montgomery. Roger, thanks for coming on the show. A pleasure, Ruben. Great to be with you again. Good, good. Now, Roger, uh, I'm not going to ask you to answer this question yet, but I'm going to put you on notice I'm going to ask you at the end. But uh, obviously, property and, uh, and banks is something that you've been talking about for a long time, and we've had you on the show several times. Uh, I suppose what we're going to talk about, and the question I'm going to ask you is, is should people be buying bank shares and taking their dividends, or should they be borrowing from the banks and buying property, or should they be doing neither? Now, don't answer that question, but I want you to give some background uh, as to where you think we've got to now uh, with the banks in the, in the aftermath of the Royal Commission and in the residential property market, which we're hearing all the time, uh, is just falling and falling. Yes, yeah, so um, there's, a, there's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> uh, the, the, the first 
point I'll make is that the latest data that's come out uh, from the Australian Bureau of Statistics uh, relates to loan values and volumes yep. and the changes, uh, the changes in those um, over the last month and over the last year. Mm-hmm. So what we've seen is we've seen home loan declines actually accelerate in January. They fell... Uh, the number off the top of my head is 2.1% for the month. So that's home loan, just, new home loan approvals, is it, or actually home loan drawdowns? That's actually home loan drawdowns. Yeah. Um, and approvals are down quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and, but the important thing is that in January, the number was down 20.6% year on year. So that's compared to January 18. And it's the worst year-on-year year fall mm. since the global financial crisis. Mm-hmm. So so loans are now down almost a quarter from their peak. Now, <clears throat> economists have expected that investor loans would decline about one and a half, but this is just the investor component. <clears throat> Pardon me. They would decline one and a half percent for the month. They actually mm. fell 4.1%. Yeah. And they're down 28.6% compared to the same time last year. Mm. And owner-occupier loans are down 17% for the year and economists, and down 1.5% for the month, and economists hadn't expected any decline. So, so mm. what that means... Oh, and the final component, um, before I forget, is developer loans. Uh, they actually lifted slightly for the month, but they're now down 30% year-on-year. Mm. So... So this obviously has negative implications for mortgage system growth for the banks. Yeah. Uh, it has negative implications for credit growth generally. Mm, mm. And when credit growth is growing at a slower rate than GDP, you're in what's called a deleveraging. So that's where the consumer or business focuses on paying down debt yeah. Uh, rather yeah. than spending opposed- money or investing. So if, I mean, if loan uh, drawdowns are down so much, does that make you think that the, the volume of properties being transacted is down by the same amount? Well, not necessarily the same amount, but down significantly. Mm. Um, Why not by the, the same amount? Because isn't everyone because buying percentage. property with debt? No, not necessarily. There are plenty of properties that are, where people pay cash. Mm. Um, so... Uh, and they're also potentially not borrowing. You know, they're borrowing from mum and dad, or they're not borrowing from the bank. Mm. So, um, you know, we're just looking at we're just looking at an Australian deposit-taking institution mortgages here. Yeah, and are you have you got any uh, sort of data indication on on you know the people's ability to borrow money? How much that's been constrained over the last you know year or so? Is that well, we know that we know that um, household debt to GDP um, accelerated. Uh, significantly after the after the GFC, mm. uh, and it, it, it grew at a much faster rate than anywhere else in the world. And while we haven't got the highest debt to GDP and the highest debt to income in the world, we are in the top quartile and of, of OECD countries. Mm. And we were, you know, only in the 1980s, we we're in the lowest lowest third of all OECD countries. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a function of two things. It's a function of obviously declining interest rates and tax incentives. Yeah, but it's also a function of the fact that the majority of rental stock is owned by mums and dads in Australia, not owned by companies. 
uh, or cooperatives. Yeah, and they tend so, to borrow a lot of money to buy them. Is that is that the point? Yeah, they borrow. Obviously, mums and dads borrow a mm. lot of money, but 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 also it tells you that um, that the market is potentially going to be a lot more volatile because you've got relatively unsophisticated mm. people owning the bulk of the rental stock in Australia, which and we're talking over ninety percent of rental stock in Australia is owned by mums and dads. Whereas if you yeah. look at another, you know, the next nearest country, it's probably Seventy percent. Yeah, it's it's always the Lapland countries. Yeah, it's always interesting one the residential property market here. I also think it, you know, particularly here the leases are so short. It really is not in the favour of tenants. And I know in other places around the world where there are sort of big, you know, institutions or or sovereign or super type funds that own the property, people have got much um, much more security of tenure. Anyway, that that's I suppose a side point. so yeah, that's just the. I mean, that's just the immediate picture from the mm. latest loans data. The bigger picture is is pretty obvious. Number one, if you look at the volume of interest only loans that yeah. have been written by ADIs, which are you know, authorised deposit taking institutions, mm, the big back banks. in yeah the big banks back in March two thousand. Well, it includes the regional banks as well. But yeah. True. Um, you go back to March 2017, and they were writing about $35 billion a quarter in interest-only loans. Mm. To, and the latest data that we've got, unfortunately, it's September, the September quarter from last year. The December quarter data won't come out until later in March. Um, the volume now, or the value now, is about $14 billion. So we've seen about a 55% decline mm in interest-only mortgages written. So that tells you that the investor has pulled away. Mm. If you look at new home or new house sales, so that's uh, project homes, we're down at 17-year lows. So that suggests that the first home buyer is absent from the market. And then if you look at uh, Foreign Investment Review Board uh, approved uh, investment in new and established housing, that's fallen from about seventy-two billion dollars three two years ago yeah. to twelve billion dollars last year. Yeah, yeah. So, so we're seeing a, you know, a so real... there's no foreign buyers either. Yeah. So the big picture is that there's not going to be any immediate uptick uh, in property prices, mm. uh, and if anything, they're going to keep falling. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I suppose a couple of things I want to pick up on what you said. First of all, you're saying that people are not. You know, borrowing as much and they're deleveraging, which means they're paying down debt. That yeah. does, you know, if that's happening, that does build a bit more security into the system, doesn't it? It builds more security for individuals term, that have got lower debts and it's more secure yeah, for the no, banks that have got loans. In the yeah. long term, look, yeah. if you're going to buy property and hold it for 30 years or 20 years, you're going to do just fine in Sydney and Melbourne. But, yeah. but in the short term, it may be that you can get a, uh, a better price Mm. Uh, and for people who are borrowing a lot of money, now might not be the time to jump in. Yeah. So let's talk about then uh, about bank shares because, I mean, I haven't spoken to you since the Royal Commission came out and probably listeners sure. are sick of me of, of you know, barreling on about it. But mm. obviously, you know, everyone thought that the Royal Commission was going to hit the banks, they were going to create structural separation and all this stuff, none of yeah. which happened. Uh, yeah, well, they're uh, going to get rid of wealth anyway. Correct, correct. So they're gonna, they yeah. will do that. But I guess the, um, yeah, there were no real massive things or that immediately no, look like they're going to affect them. I mean, I think there are things that will no, over the long term. Um, but the question, so the question, and then the banks sort of rebounded in share price enormously, probably about 
I don't know, eight or nine percent over the last month or so. Uh, is that sort of rebound in share price justified, or is it just like a bit of a relief, a relief sort of rally? Well, that sort of answers the question. Mm. Your question answers itself. You know, it is, <laughs> it is a relief that uh, it wasn't as bad as expected, and that's why people who had previously perhaps short sold the banks or or sold them out. You know, a lot of institutions have been underweight the banks for a yeah. long time, and so um, you know they're they're, they're buying, and, and that's pushed the share price up. Yeah. The bigger issue, you know, that now that the Royal Commission has passed and we know the outcomes or recommendations, the bigger issue is their credit growth and their yeah. exposure to the Australian economy, which is mm. slowing down. And yeah. so if you yeah. believe that there's not going to be a recession, then banks are probably fair value, Yeah, maybe just a touch over fair value. Mm. If you think there's going to be a recession, well, they could fall another 20 or 30%, right. maybe even more. Right, right. That much, because it's interesting, because, I mean, the banks, because they're so big, and I remember seeing an interview with Matt Common not long ago, and they said to him, oh, you know, how are you going to perform? And he said, oh, well, we're completely leveraged to the economy, and, you know, would ex- basically, he said, would expect to grow in, roughly in accordance with the economy. It's basically yeah, what well, he said, right? Yeah, that's right. Well, but, well but, I think credit, if credit growth slows yeah. to less than economic growth rate, then they won't grow as fast as the economy. Right, but if you're saying if there's a recession, right? I mean, yeah, there's that, only a twenty percent chance of that. Okay, but let's say there is one. I mean, that only means that growth. You know, we've got a couple of quarters of negative growth, right? Or negative growth is yeah. a weird term, but uh, yeah. of the economy contracting. Why? Why would that affect bank shares by twenty or thirty percent? Because profits. Because profits are uh, a part. Uh, you know, I don't want to use the word rigged, but are partly rigged by the proportion um, of uh, the provisioning for bad and doubtful debts right. uh, or non-performing loans. And so right. in that sort of Armageddon scenario that you're suggesting, and it, I don't think it's going to happen, but yeah. in that scenario, you're, not only will profits be um, reduced by the fact that, or profit growth reduced by the fact that revenue isn't growing, um, and costs maybe aren't being as cut as fast, mm. but there'd be pressure on the net interest margin because yeah. foreign foreign lenders will want to charge more for mm. the risk, mm. so there's a pressure on the net interest margin, and then on so that pressures profits, and then on top of that you've got to you've got record low provisioning for non-performing loans. Yeah. So that would there'd be an uptick in that, and that's going to pressure profits as well. Well, I'm just wondering, you know, why you actually say Roger that that's Armageddon. I mean, I I don't really get it. I mean, a couple of quarters of the economy going backwards. You, know, you don't know it's going to be a couple of quarters. That's just the official definition. Right. That's the start. Right. Uh, it may go longer than a couple of quarters, and that would be the fear. Right. And what's like the you know the last recession we had in the nineties? How long did it go for? Uh, it went for, yeah longer than that. Uh, yeah. That was the early nineties. Yeah. Uh, and its impact on its impact on markets went for longer than mm. a year. Mm. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? As you say, like, you know, if the economy turns and the banks have to have got a provision and assume that people aren't going to pay debt and provision for bad debts, the question yeah. is, is, you know, I mean, we've seen, we see big companies like, I mean, companies like Qantas or whoever, at different times, they have like a really, really crap year. They lose a whole lot of money, right? Or they, their profits fall hugely and then they come back again the year after. I mean, is that, yeah. you know, even if their worst was to happen, you know, they write a whole lot of debts off, so they have a they have a bad year, they stop dividends for one year. Is is that gonna be fatal? No, of course not. 
It just means the share price will be cheap. Yeah. And there'll be better opportunities to buy. Yeah, indeed. Mm-hmm. And to what other... What what other impact? I mean, do you think that the Royal Commission is going to have on the banks? Do you do you, do you subscribe to the fact that it's it's really really minimal? Um, yes, yeah. It, uh, it, look, I think we'll see a a, a change in their position towards mm. their wealth businesses, and mm. I think their wealth businesses will probably go uh, in most cases. Yeah. Um, but other than that, you know, I think it's. Pretty minor. Mm. What do you think? I mean, we're seeing more and more, you know, these annual general meetings that um, shareholders are getting together and voting down, you know, the um, salaries of of directors and chairmen and managing directors. Uh, is this something that you know you keep an eye on? And do you reckon that it's that it's going to happen more and more? And will it have actually an impact on company performance? Um, no, I think it's a sideshow, actually. Yeah. Uh, I think it's really important shareholders need to um, realise that in order to attract the best talent, they need to pay competitive rates. Mm, that's, mm. that's just reality. Yeah. Uh, unless we end up with a you know very socialist government and you know a, and a shift towards socialism uh, amongst the populace, mm. uh, no, it won't change. But you've got a situation where the biggest you know holders of bank shares are going to. If, even if they're not already, are going to be industry funds, um, then they probably are already, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's kind of ironic because industry funds sort of bash the banks as much as they can, but then on the other hand, you know, they're the biggest shareholders. I mean, the question is, is there risk of them, or not risk, are they going to be exercising their clout more and more, or you think that that's not really likely to happen? I think they're already doing a pretty good job. Mm, mm. Yeah. Um, hey, listen. Just as an aside, yeah. I was um, while we're chatting, I've just been having a look at the Westpac share price going back to the recession we had to have. Yeah. So in February 1990, Westpac share price, and this is adjusted, obviously, mm. uh, was five dollars thirty. That was in Mar- February 1990. It wasn't until 1995, uh, and it was actually September 95 before the share price went higher again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, it, it was briefly higher in 94, mm. uh, but then it dropped back down again. It didn't sustainably rise above that 1990 price until uh, until five years later. Yeah. And it fell from $5.30. It got down to as low as... Look, I remember at the time, because I, I spoke to my mother at the time, but I remember it was trading in the twos. Yeah. So I think it got down to about $2.80. Yeah, yeah. Uh, got Roger, well, then looking at the um, you know, the, kind of the market a bit more broadly, and I was having a meeting with a client today, and I was saying to them, yeah, the, the share market has rebounded quite a bit over the last couple of months. Uh, it's mm-hmm. at a time where you know, the data that you hear about the economy is, is, is poor. Um, wage growth is low, as you say, loan growth is low. Um, you know, we're getting sort of poor information, yet the share market uh, is, you know, it, certainly in this short period of time is performing well. I mean, you know, it's always a question, what do you see as this, is there a short-term connection between this data that's coming out in the economy versus share price performance? No, there's no, look, there's um, a very good friend of mine, Ashley Owen, uh, did a lot of work on this particular mm. question, and mm. he found that globally, <clears throat> across all markets and all geographies, 
over a 12-month period, there is zero correlation between the stock market and economic performance. Yeah. Yeah. So what he did was he found that in, in any year where the economy grew at a faster rate than average, uh, the stock market performed better than average half the time and worse than average half the time. Right. Uh, and in any time where the economy performed worse than average or declined, uh, you had the same result with the stock market. Mm. Half the time it performed better than average and half the time worse. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, it's weird because you probably, you know, when you hear them commenting day by day, putting on the news, they'll say, oh, these figures came out so the market reacted badly, <laughs> you know. That's what the, yeah, that's no. what the media is constantly saying. Day to day, mm. you're never going to know the answer to that question unless you go and interview every <laughs> buyer and seller. Yeah, that'd be a bit of a task, wouldn't it? Mm. Yeah. So you've given us a, a view on your bank stocks, and you said that you know if we don't have a recession, they're sort of fairly valued. If we do, they're obviously going to fall a lot. What do you, uh, if you took at the look at the market as a whole? Uh, what's your view on that sort of from a long-term valuation perspective? I'm not silly enough to ask you what's going to happen next month or next year, but but tell me, where do you sort of see overall valuations at the moment? Well, look, on average, you know, the, the bulk of stocks are overpriced, but there yeah. are plenty of, you know, there are plenty of value opportunities all around the world. Yeah. Um, you know, our global fund is is. Not fully invested, but pretty close to fully invested um, because there's plenty of opportunities. Uh, our domestic fund, the Montgomery Fund, uh, has about 13% cash, uh, although that's ticking up again after the rally in January and February. Mm. Um, but yeah, there's, there's, you know, there's, there's value around. There are companies overseas that look reasonably priced. For example, Vivendi, uh, which owns the Universal Music Group, um, they're, you know, in Australia, Reliance Worldwide looks like reasonable value at this mm-hmm. stage. I mean, our view could change at any moment. So you don't want to rush out and buy these things. Yeah, um, yeah. But, yeah. Thanks, Roger. It's, uh, it's been a pleasure having you on. And uh, I appreciate you making the time. I know you were at a, a, at a lunch today and you ducked out to speak to us. Uh, so thanks very much. It's a pleasure. Talk soon. Okay, bye-bye. All right, folks. Well, that pretty much winds up the show for today. Thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, It's been uh, a pleasure as always. Uh, We will certainly be back again next week and uh, look forward to you joining us then.